Hey, Margaret. Yeah, Anton? You know what people don't talk about enough? What? What the show could have done with Felice kissing Wilhelm. Welcome to People Don't Talk About, Young Royals. I'm Anton. My pronouns are he, they. And I'm Margaret. My pronouns are they, them. And we're people here to discuss the show our friends are sick of hearing us talk about. If that sounds like you, stick around. If your friends sent you this podcast out of a desperate attempt to get you to watch Young Royals, take this as a sign. Go watch Young Royals, then come back to this podcast. Anton, what are we talking about today? Today we'll be having a general discussion of Season 1, Episode 3, opening up the conversation to miscellaneous motifs, symbolism, and themes. In this discussion, we won't be summarizing the plot of the episode because we already did that. If you need or want a refresher, head back 12 episodes in our feed to our most recent This Week at Hilarishka for a full breakdown. This episode will likely be all over the place, so strap in. You have been warned. Okay. I hope I didn't scare anybody too much with that opening. I'm scared. But what I but what I mean... I want my mom to continue. me up. <laughs> is something that... I think I might have talked about before, but, like, I don't think I've really delved into what this could be. And, like, this is really stretching the definition of symbolism here. But it's also, like, thinking of this kiss as a potential symbol that doesn't get used. And on the one hand, I have really conflicting really conflicting feelings about it but also i would hate if they had done this so i guess it's not very conflicting uh, like i basically wrote down just kind of off off the dome imagine what a lesser show could do with a moment like this it would run with it yes exactly okay and, <laughs> and I, I yeah i literally wrote like yikes because I remember, I mean, I think I've met, I said before that I don't really remember the first time I've seen Fleece and Wilhelm kiss because it's just something I've already always knew happened, like, after the first time I watched it. And so, like, I don't remember the first time I saw it that much. But I remember at least considering it the way I have every time I've thought about this moment, which I know you don't like to because you skip over it a lot. Um, I, I, I watch it. I just... Oftentimes, yeah. if I'm just watching Young Royals to feel good, I either look down because I don't understand Swedish, or I'll skip over it. <laughs> what? So what I mean is that, like, yes, a lot of Young Royals fans, me included, do know there's a lot of power in Wilhelm being unlabeled. Mm-hmm. But Wilhelm in any way reciprocating or feeling something from a kiss from Felice, like, it makes for good drama, but I don't know that it makes for good story. Yes. Because in it, it is, I mean, I am on record probably on this podcast of saying I love angst mm -hmm. in storytelling. Yes, you do. But something that an initial like thriving for thriving on angst and like desire for angst in storytelling is what drew me to teen dramas in the first place. 
but something that after watching so many teen dramas, you begin to tire of and can recognize from a mile away is drama for drama's sake or like angst for angst's sake. Yeah. A storyline that like doesn't entirely complement the themes the show is working with or the direction it's going, but is there to simply hinder or halt progress for the sake of halting or hindering progress. And I'm not saying that there wouldn't... that the, I don't think that that, dire, that that direction for Villa and Felice's dynamic totally lacks merit. But it just like isn't what I want for Wilhelm as an audience member and would honestly make me so sad that I'd just be mad that it was happening. It wouldn't because... make any sense, honestly. Like, I get it, but like, it wouldn't have been set up, so it would have been very confusing. Right. Very, mu- very much so. And I'm not saying like, I guess... Something implicit that I was realizing I wasn't actually saying is, like, when I say reciprocation from Wilhelm, I don't mean that, like, I don't mean entirely that, like, the only version of that would be, that, that, that I'm envisioning would be one where Wilhelm actually has feelings for Felice romantically. What I also mean is leaning into the idea that he, like, either could have romantic feelings for Felice or recognizing that there's, that he doesn't have any Mm -hmm. in the moment but leaning into it anyways yeah and then and then at the simplest level you have turned Wilhelm into the trope of the manipulative bisexual yeah With, with as the most uncharitable reading but like as much as some sort of confirmation that Wilhelm is definitively not monosexual, is not only attracted to guys, Mm -hmm. as much as that would be very exciting in its own way, I don't like even the implication of that coming with a manipulative tact to maintain clout and as eric puts it pretends to be someone else Mm -hmm. i think that's something we haven't really discussed when mentioning that line by eric is that wilhelm doesn't take his brother's advice yeah really at least for my interpretation i think he's pretty himself at the luncheon Mm -hmm. i'd agree um like he asks he acts fairly earnestly and from the heart and like as he uh, just like the uh, like and acts the way he wants mm-hmm. and not only would it be it, a, an extreme left turn for that to like happen in this mo- for for him to go back on that in this moment but it after just three episodes, that already feels inauthentic to Villa as a character. Right, absolutely. And that's what I'm saying for like John of Her Drama's sake, where you would be interrupting the arc you've created for this character and like the internal life you've done a lot a huge like a tremendous job building. Mm-hmm. 
just to make him stop making sense to the audience or or make him make sense in a way that like feels really cheap and like is sort of forced um and i hate that i spent so much time on a plot point that didn't happen (laughs) but i think as we're wrapping up this episode and it's effectively like concluding felice's crush on vilhelm like the fact that that is the symbolic nature of this kiss that it ends something rather than start something mm-hmm. is, is a sign of incredible restraint. As you were saying, a lesser show would run with this. But this show knows when to end plot lines yes. when they no longer serve them. Correct. And yeah, I think... I wanted to mention that up top because it doesn't really have much to do with anything, but I I wanted to really just show an appreciation for that as a choice. And we end it in a big way because we go from Felice kissing Wilhelm to then Felice going to August's store in the same episode. So yeah. it's a hard yeah. break. <laughs> yeah. Felice does a hard dovetail. Like, all we have to bridge those two scenes is, like, less than 30 seconds of Felice sobbing, sitting sitting up in bed. Yeah. But I guess to follow the Felice train, I wanted to talk about a symbol that's kind of blink if you miss it, based on, like, a single line of dialogue. But the fact, like, the first act we see from Smeeson when her and Felice are alone is offering her a, a new dress mm-hmm. that doesn't fit Smeeson but think she thinks might fit Felice. Yeah. She's literally dressing her daughter in her in her own old clothes. Yeah. Like if that's not an establishment of character from the first lo- first like s- like screen direction i don't know what is Mm -hmm. (laughs) like like this very visual like visceral feeling of like i am trying to like dress you like a doll or at least least, like mold you to be like another me and as said, like it's it, it's it, it it very seamlessly flows into their conversation and does isn't really isn't really addressed with much weight. But as we've said before, the fact that Felice is so casual and a little like and like kind of like floaty or bub or like bubbly and like smiley in that scene is its own sort of horrifying. Mm-hmm. Because us who have just been introduced to this character in dialogue for the first time like we are just sitting there like who the fuck is this what kind of what the fuck kind of mom are you Mm -hmm. and felice is behaving like this is entirely run-of-the-mill behavior and that's just tuesday yeah and that's just it's disturbing and does so much for humanizing Felice's character as you realize what her normal is. Yeah, for sure. But I guess that, en- well, I guess while we're on, still on Felice, we should just, we should t- go to, go to 
horseback riding and Rousseau to kind of mm-hmm. wrap up that aspect of the episode. Yeah. Um, I know you had something written down about this. So what, what, what were your thoughts? I, so I just had horseback. I didn't break Rousseau up um, as much. Yeah, yeah. I just did horseback riding as a whole, but yeah, horseback yeah. riding being a very strong status symbol. It's a very expensive sport. It takes a lot of time. Um, and it seems to be something that a lot of the girls, at least in Felice's group, do. Potentially most mm-hmm. of the girls at the school. Um, yeah. And I guess I guess that isn't necessarily thoroughly established so much so far in the show. But, like, using a little bit of future knowledge of the show. We, like, we do, we can say now and with, like, a certain amount of, like, understanding that this was, is, like, was already, always likely to be true until it was actually confirmed, like, basically everyone of Felice's friends rides. Yeah. Um, and so then at the lunch scene, we see Felice's mom asking Sarah about, like, well, what horse do you ride? Like, already assuming, like, oh, you're here, you must have a horse. Mm-hmm. Not really taking into account how expensive that is, and maybe Sarah's family can't afford her own horse. Um, yeah. We already kind of fleshed I, that out in the previous episode, but I just wanted to bring it up again. No, definitely. I think we talked about this in Sarah's character episode a little bit, and we definitely talked about it last week in Privileged Punishment. But something that I recognize this time, just diving deeper into like the tone of the way I perceive Smeeson being in that scene mm-hmm. in in at the at, at the luncheon scene, he she starts off with first asking Sarah about her about her horse, saying she's like, "No, I ride Felice's horse," and Smeeson doesn't immediately go into full on like a like questioning Felice mode or whatever. Mm-hmm. She she because because Sarah says Sarah says. I ride, I ride, I ride Rousseau as a simple fact, and Smeeson says it with like a hint of interest. But to me, it almost I interpret it at, interpret it as a certain level of like pride in her daughter for committing an act of charity for letting this girl ride her horse. Mm. Like when. Before Sarah describes how extensively she rides Rousseau and says, oh, it's because, it's because Felice doesn't want to. Yeah. I'm assuming Smeeson is just thinking, oh, she lets Sarah ride once in a while out of the generosity of her heart. Yeah. And, oh, isn't that just like Felice to, like, try to be nice to someone who is less fortunate? Mm-hmm. And... Something again that like not to complete keep throwing Felice under the bus, but something that I recognize again this time too, is that we had a chance to let this conversation go. I think if Felice had acted just slightly smarter, and she's sixteen, I can't expect much more of her. But like the way that she had to stand her ground and be like, "No, I ride Rousseau," mm-hmm. and maintain that lie, not knowing. And not having fate, compl- she couldn't have had complete confidence that Sarah was going to maintain that lie and pick up on the cues that she was trying to send completely non-verbally because Felice could have taken direction from her mom and found a way to make it convincing, I think, that like, 
yes, Sarah does ride Rousseau, but it's not as bad as it actually is. Mm-hmm. Like, there was damage control that I see a potential for that, like, Rousseau could have, like, Sarah riding Rousseau could have meant something different to at least Smeeson, the person who really matters in this scenario in terms of who she, of what she thinks it means. Mm-hmm. But Felice digging her heels in means that when the full truth was revealed, Smeeson only, can only see it as a betrayal by her daughter of just completely like lying to her and like and just not and like letting her down ultimately and not being who she thought she was mm-hmm. which is in no way in no way felice's fault it's entirely smithson's fault for having those expectations expectations in the first place right but like it's the way that symbol shifts in just a few lines of dialogue lines of dialogue that really make this moment really feel like a twisting of the knife because I do think there was a few precious moments where it could have been saved mm-hmm. and I it just wasn't. Yeah. Which as an audience member is just heartbreaking a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I guess while we're at the luncheon, you had some stuff about the, 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 the luncheon that I think is like generally that is good. I think, and then we can go specifically to that moment of Villa snubbing August that I wanted to talk about. Yes. Yes. Um. So we talked I can't remember which purple was it the purple and orange when we did the day and night as a symbol. Yes, yes, yeah. Do you remember yes. what cycle it was? Was that two? Uh, it, yes, it was last cycle. Um, I'm yeah. forgetting in what context. With but the, I know, we were, um, I know. But the date? Question mark. Um. Yes. Yes. You're right. You're right. Because basically, for the, and those who might not have listened to that episode or 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 need a summary, because it was basically like three months ago. Um. <laughs> uh. We 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 talked about how in your eyes, at least up till this point, night represents bro- like broadly, night represents lies and facades, and night is when the is a time for revealing truth or when like true feelings actually come out. So day is the facades. Day is facades. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. In this episode, we see parents lunch, obviously lunch during the day. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's all everybody being like, yeah, everything is perfect. Everything is great. Everything is groovy. We have this facade that everything is great, even if things are maybe not great. Cough, cough, August and Simon. Um, And then at (laughs) night, Simon comes back, tells his friends what's happening, and then quite genuinely beats up august um so like that's just another example of all the lies being told during the day and the truth being told at night (laughs) of like what's really going on no yeah i wrote that down too i mean specifically i i connected it to something that we we cracked on earlier on i think it was in art of the frame i pointed out that there's two almost identical shots that only differ Versus who is coming down the road towards Hilershka and what time of day it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but right before Parents' Day, it's a line of black cars um, that are like the like Hilershka parents coming with all of their all of their facades and 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 like like very conscious politeness. Um, and then it's Simon Ayub and Rosh on Ayub and Rosh's motorbikes um at night and so 
like as like like i said it continues the theme of night is a time for revealing truth where august reveals that he's broke and like si- and then simon can fully act on all of these feelings that have been bubbling up inside him and in the day that's the time for when you lie and present a false face as much as you can and and as eric says pretend to be someone else mm-hmm. uh to save face but regarding the specific moment of villa snubbing august at the luncheon i think it's i didn't realize this until this morning but it's the most overt villa has changed thus far like related to his irritation with august's influence mm-hmm in front of like to August's face, like yeah. he avoids him at the he avoids him at the initiation party, and like he's at least like he's like bad mouth August a little bit like behind his back to Simon, mm-hmm. a little bit or like at least like with like knowing like knowing glances and stuff like that like like with like little looks but like in terms of like directly like not opposing August but like ignoring him in him intentionally yeah because August sees Villa look at him. And then sees Villa choose not to sit by him. Right. And that is like the most that Villa has done to go against the advice of Eric in more ways than one. Like not only has Villa is Villa largely himself at the luncheon, it, but, but in doing that, he is ignoring Eric's advice and like leaving August by the wayside a little bit. Like, not trusting him entirely to have like his best interest at heart, like not wanting to like sit with him um, because there's Simon to sit with. And like what, what is going to, I think it's great setting up, like what is going to pull Villa away from following basically any of Eric's like princely directions. Mm-hmm. Like, than the presence of Simon. For sure. Something that I was thinking about this morning is, is this Wilhelm picking Simon over his family for the first time? In a very, like, broad strokes kind of way. In a, in a really broad strokes kind of way, like, you can you can argue for that, be it's it being symbolic of that. It's actually for the ways that, like, we've really established in the first two episodes in the first two cycles how much august is a stand-in for the royal family when they're not there mm-hmm. like we have eric in this episode too but he's it not... is because of eric yeah and it be- is because of eric that like Wilhelm goes down to the luncheon in the first place mm-hmm. but if you really look at it like villa isn't following eric's advice beyond him telling him oh go to simon which is something that villa probably secretly wanted to do anyways right or, like, realizes he wants to do as soon as he gets there. Like, he... There's a moment of indecision. And I think it's that indecision that's symbolic of... Symbolic more than anything. Mm-hmm. Because it is not nothing, but it also gets resolved pretty fast. Which I think goes along with what we've been talking about this episode, which is, like, Wilhelm getting over himself quicker than one might expect because of the strength of his feelings. Yeah. Which then necessitates almost in order to keep the theming consistent, a ramping up of stakes. And the 
and the and the extreme intensification of the pressure on Wilhelm because he's already kind of like he's found a way to navigate and almost already overcome in or at least start to overcome the pressures of what being just prince of Sweden and being the spare does to his sense of like his own sexuality and what is the way forward to being happy and true to himself. Yeah. So then the road has to get infinitely, infinitely harder so that that indecision can come back with vengeance. And boy, oh boy, does the road get harder. No spoilers, but boy, oh boy, does it. Well, Eric dies. Uh Right. That's not a spoiler. That happens this episode. Exactly. But like, just what we're saying, we're not going to say how it gets harder. Because that's not relevant to this episode. But. No, it's not. But, you know, it, your brother dying yeah. makes stuff hard. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, And I guess... All right. I was, I was, I was just thinking, we have two... I have, I at least two have two things left. I don't know if you have any more, anything more. Um, I have one thing. Okay. What is your one thing? Um, Well, it's right at the end of the episode. So if you want to say your other thing first, you can. Um, But if not, I can do it. Yeah, uh, yeah. You you do your thing, and then we can finish out with like Simon and Purple and like my my one other thing. Okay. So my last thing that I wanted to talk about was, so we always see Simon and Wilhelm together when they're either completely alone, like in the music room, or at night, like last episode with them going around. Um, Simon's hometown into Rosh's game. Yeah, yeah. However, at the end of this episode, we see them together during the day, and there's a bunch of people around. And that's the first time we really see that out in the open in front of anybody. And then it also gets immediately squashed. Yeah. I feel like I keep saying that, like, oh, like, Villa's been making, like, the first few steps on like a journey of acceptance yada 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 and i didn't even realize that like the image i always have in my head of that is literally represented symbolic in the ep- symbolically in the episode of going down the steps of Hilerska and going to leave Hilerska to go to simon's house mm-hmm. um like he literally does get a few steps away from Hilerska and then gets pulled straight back yeah and I guess staying on Villa and Simon to kind of say with like there aren't weren't really tons of Villa and Simon like symbols in this episode like there were last episode because they were a little bit more divided. Well, not uh, their storylines were more divided. Mm-hmm. Um, they as people were not divided for super long. But um, I wanted to talk about the opening piano scene because I hope this makes sense, but. Piano scenes are so fucking gay. <laughs> Affectionate. You did not have that in your notes. I was not expecting that. <laughs> no, that was off the dome. That was that was thought of. Well, no, that was thought of while I was writing this, but I decided I didn't want to write it down because I didn't know if I was actually going to say it. And then in the moment, I decided I was. Okay, keep going. <laughs> I'm recovered. You get what I mean, though, right? I do. Right? Because, and I, I, I don't know how to just... If you're... It, 
any of our like straight listeners who don't get what I mean, I don't know how to explain it more. And queer listeners who don't get what I mean, I I hope you can think about it a little bit longer and get what I mean. I don't know what else to say other than like I think it's just very intimate. Yes. I think it it goes along with it's a little bit riskier and a little bit more tender a little bit more tender version that progresses beyond what we talked about extensively last cycle, which was the bro tap. Yeah. Of like the, the most amount of contact you can really have outside of like a sports context with another guy that cannot be construed wrong, at least in like a winter, in like a Western context. I agree. And now like teaching someone a song on the piano and kind of like, either accidentally or purposely or not, like, covering your hands with theirs. Yeah. Or in any way, like, sharing a seat on, like, a musical intro- on, like, a musical instrument, but especially, like, a piano. Like, that's a level of, like, touching and, like, intimacy and, like, a connecting moment that, like, is not always gay. But when the impression is already there or when like it's already starts being implicit yeah it is the most unspoken but obvious thing ever yes i agree and in its own way beyond like connection and intimacy the difference in skill between them of simon who's only ever learned piano by ear and wilhelm who is probably classically trained just because of being a prince yeah, because like, why not, you know? <laughs> right. I mean, it, it's very classic. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I granted, like, the pianoforte was more more often like a female instrument. Um, but, like, there weren't, there, there were also male pianists. So, um, historically, uh, like, most composers, most composers ever have been pianists. Um, so, like, the fact that Wilhelm, I mean, he didn't, like, teach Simon how to read music, but, like, he helps bridge this gap, this knowledge gap that, like, becomes an issue that I, that I, 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 I literally never thought about it this deeply before, but I'm realizing this is another thing, like, we were talking about last time, of these, like, invisible barriers that Halerska has up mm-hmm. that they don't recognize or are entirely class-based. Which is like, granted, like you can learn music pretty frequently, but like music lessons are like less of a common thing. Like they're 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 a paid thing most more often than not. Mm-hmm. And so like, the fact that Simon, as a person of middle class to lower middle class, is just a person who just like is a musician but never learned how to read music, it make it does make a certain level of sense. And the fact that his choir classes presume that everyone who's in them will be able to learn their parts by reading, by knowing how to read music. That's true. I never thought about that. I thought about like, oh, he can't read sheet music, but I wasn't like, oh, wait a minute. (laughs) He's in choir. He has to learn his part in his notes. Yeah. Yeah, because that's what he's doing. Is he's yeah. learning the school song for for a choir performance? Yeah, and I mean, I, this is coming. This is I, this is probably I'm probably making this connection because I 
I can't, if I haven't mentioned before, one of the many reasons why this show is made for me is that I am deeply and forever and always a choir kid. And like a, a huge matter of accessibility that my best directors who've like actually been able to have like the time to do this have done is they put parts into a like like in like into a music software and like send us recordings or they link us youtube videos like of the songs we're doing but the fact that like the school song split by parts like that won't just naturally exist on youtube somewhere for simon to listen to and learn by himself and so the teacher would have had to have done the work of knowing that like or thinking about the fact that not everyone in your choir knows how to read music Mm-hmm. Like, not everyone in your choir is even going to recognize the difference between the soprano and the tenor part. That's something also that like we that kind of gets glossed over. But like, Simon was trying to play the soprano part because it was the melody. It was the th- probably the th- closest thing he was closest to getting. But that like wasn't the part that he was trying to learn mm-hmm. or should have been trying to learn. Yeah. And so, like, I don't know. It again shows the ways in which like. Wilhelm, without really thinking about the consciously about what he's doing, like in a much more grace graceful way than asking, like, "Oh, you, 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 you have lunch with us," and then Simon getting defensive in their very first meeting, being like, "Well, we have to eat, so <laughs> non borders have to eat." So um, this time it's like, oh, you don't read sheet music? And Simon's being kind of like bashful and being like, no, I don't. And then, and Wilhelm being like, well, let, then let me teach you. Like it's, it's this like very much more not conscious at all, but very like deliberate in the sense that like he doesn't think about it. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't like waffle about it. Like he's just like, well, Simon doesn't know how to read sheet music. A great way of, of, keeping this interaction going is oh well i can show you like yeah it just it just makes my music minor heart very happy and my choir kid heart especially just go kind of a little a little a little crazy at being like oh, oh my gosh i get what's happening here and why it's so special mm-hmm. and to conclude we should talk about the t- like titular symbol that we always kind of that we always come back to the what uh, the color titular symbol like related to the title of purple and orange yeah titular yeah titular um and i mean and that is simon and the color purple in his clothing i in the piano scene is he wearing purple or is that shirt like red because i or like like dark red because I, I like it's red. Okay. Hang that on. that that makes that makes a whole lot of sense. Um I couldn't really tell. I was doubting myself. I wanted to make sure. Helps if you spell the name of the show right. Here we go. That does. I think it's red. Okay. Yeah. All right, so that's 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 out of the running, unfortunately. Like, I would have loved to have purple in the piano scene, but like, I also get that like it's a it's it's a scene that doesn't end well, and so it honestly add insult to injury. If if Simon was wearing purple in that scene, yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it would. Like, 
rarely is Simon ever like walking away angry or really disappointed when he's wearing purple. Like most of the purple scenes are ones that like you can flag as being like wholesome. <laughs> um yeah. Well, like or it's like t- like touching in that like they don't end terribly. Yeah, like with... they're not angry at each other <laughs> when they Exactly, away. exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's what I mean. Um <laughs> and then unfortunately something that I I I really I feel like I don't focus on Simon's clothes until we get to this episode at the end of the cycle, but then I'm like, oh, he's wearing his uniform for all of Parents' Day. He really which means is. we get no purple content for all of those lovely luncheon scenes. But the day that Eric's death comes out, he's wearing a purple overshirt, which is the first time I feel like that's happened. Mm-hmm. So our boy's being bold and obvious. Yes. You hadn't picked up on the purple already, which I know a lot of people don't probably casually watching the show, but like it, it, it gets really obvious. But then similar to what you were talking about, like with the end of the episode, like to an extent, like, he puts a jacket on over that purple overshirt when they would leave it or going to going to going to when Simon, Simon and Villa leave to go to Simon's house. But he's it's still a, a purple overshirt, which means the purple is still so visible, which I take as he's concealing his feelings, but not well. Right. I also take it that way. Like you can still see a lot of purple. So as I said, he's still being bold and obvious. And I guess the one exception to the thing I just said is that Wilhelm is dr- is brought back inside by Boris uh, when uh, Simon is wearing purple. Um, so it does end a little bit, sadly. But like their their relationship is so- their like their like dynamic is solid mm-hmm. in terms of like that that that's where we get the the all the smiling at each other and the fucking heartbreaking joy on both their faces. Yeah. And with that, um, <laughs> thank you for listening. Jesus Christ. <laughs> if you'd like to keep up to date with when we release, release new episodes and other pod-related announcements, you can check our Instagram or our threads at People Don't Talk About. Our next episode will be This Week in Hilarica for Season 1, Episode 4. But be on the lookout for bonus episodes coming up during the month of March. Um, for those of you who are listening to this way, way after the fact, this cycle is coming up, coming right up as you might have seen from other bonus episodes in the feed, right before the third and final season of Young Royals comes out very soon. Um, yes. So if it wasn't already probably obvious without us saying it, we're going to be taking a bit of a break to crazy as it sounds again, like consume the remainder of this show that we're discussing on this podcast. Oh. <laughs> Um, and come back on episode four when we feel like we have fully processed the show in its entirety, which won't be too long. Like we won't, it's not like we be might months. still probably, <laughs> no, we'll probably still probably come back at you by the end of March, but before, like before, the, before March ends, mm-hmm. but like beginning of March, middle of March, like in like middle, like first two thirds of March, we'll get some bonus episodes out maybe um but also we probably want to save some bonus episodes at least one for uh to pair with the this week of Lerska for mm-hmm. the next cycle also the Wait. finale and um, 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 um the like making of the last season comes out the 
day before our one year anniversary of recording our very first episode. Well, because that comes out. Well, that comes out also on the day of the the day the the the, the last episode drops. Yeah, the finale and the yeah. documentary. Yeah. 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 Because we recorded uh, the first this week of Hilarishka on March nineteenth of last year. Yeah, which um, we might we it's unless we get a, a like a, a like an official trailer for the documentary, we probably won't do a reaction to that trailer. But we definitely will do be doing a bonus episode about the documentary. Yeah. In any event, so stay tuned. And with that. All that's left to say is, let's, let's start a revolution, start a revolution baby. baby.